Man, I just want to continue praising His name. He's worthy in the midst of this place. I can't help but say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. All blessing and glory and honor and power and praise be unto His name. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. All blessing and glory and honor and power and praise be unto His name. In the book of Revelation, John gives us some insight as he's translated into the throne room of God, into the heavens. Hmm. And then there becomes a hush as the scene comes and everybody's head bows because there is none worthy to open the scroll and break the seal. There's none found worthy. And John begins to join in the mourning and weep. And then the angel of the Lord says, John, don't weep. Don't weep, for there is one found worthy to open the scroll break the seal he is the worthy one the lamb slain before the foundation of the earth this morning I want you to know in the midst of move church this morning there is one found worthy there was one found worthy there is one found worthy this morning to receive all glory and honor and power and praise he is worthy this morning for you and I to pour our hearts out before him Think about that. All the wonderment of His beauty and His love throughout the millennia and throughout the centuries and the decades and the weeks and the months. But I want you to know this very moment. It's in this very moment. This is a place where we meet Him. This is a place. So this morning my challenge is to each one of us. May we have a heart of expectation and fasten our eyes upon Him. The one found worthy. We live in a season where there are many voices. But this morning, may the children of God say that our ears and our eyes are fastened on only the one who is found worthy. Only the one who is found worthy. Amen? We're going to be a little active this morning. Amen? Is that okay? <laughs> I promise you, if it's your first time here, you won't see me again for a while, right? It's all good. Don't worry. I'm not what you're going to normally see here. It's okay. Where I live, we've been having a place called the Meeting Place. And I'm very honored to get to be part of it. And all it is, man, is God just put in our hearts to uh, allow the Holy Spirit to position us to be people that would cry for revival. See, revival is not a series of services that men set up and install. Revival is a sovereign move of the Father's heart to His covenant people. But He positions us to have a heart that wants to line up and wants to sync up to His heart. And that's why I say He positions us to be people who cry out for revival. I'm not talking about experiential services. I'm talking about transformational relationship. Because when I think of revival... I think a revival of relationship. Amen? To be revived, to be awakened, to be brought back up to that place that maybe at one time I existed in, but I found myself that I have left that place of relationship with Him. To be revived means to be activated or set into motion. So I believe God's putting in the hearts of people in this hour 
that the church would once again be activated and set into motion. To be revived. Amen? I'll amen myself. It's okay. Because I want you to know my expectation and my hope is not in good preaching. Well beyond the sound that reverberates of my voice in your eardrum is the voice of the Holy Spirit who's sparking in the hearts of people this morning in the midst of a desolate and a hard time. I want you to know God wants to revive His people. God wants to pour out His Spirit in the midst of our lives. Man, that's good news, folks. The presence of God's here. Resurrection life's here. I'm talking about you're here. You're the temple of the whole. I'm honored to be here, not because of how pretty you look on the exterior, but that you're the temple of the Holy Spirit. I know that in the midst of this room, there is all possibility. I know that there is nothing beyond the heart of God for His people. The Bible says, while we were yet dead in our sins, Christ died for us. Now how much more now that we've been reconciled to Him? Will He not freely give us all things by the Holy Spirit? Amen. So God, I believe, is positioning people's hearts for revival. Now, I try not to watch. I, I try to watch you guys sometimes, but I try not to watch the past few weeks. But then I actually spoke to your pastor, and he let a little out. And, and I, I, I actually saw my YouTube feed, kind of what he's been speaking about the, the last few weeks. And I believe God is positioning people to have a heart for revival. How many of you want revival? In our, it starts here, right? I want a personal revival. But first, I want the heart of God for revival. I want the heart of God for revival. I'm fixing to go to the Word of God. If you could bow your head one more time. Dear only Father, we just give you praise in this place. You are worthy to be praised. 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 I ask this morning, and I acknowledge that all things are by you, for you, and through you. I thank you, Jesus, the same yesterday, today, and forever. That your word does not return void. I thank you this morning that my expectation and hope is in you, Yeshua. King of kings and Lord of lords. I thank you this morning that there's no spirit of religion, no lie of the enemy, no attitude of tradition that will hinder anyone in this room, starting with me and everyone else, from hearing what the Spirit of the Lord would say this morning. I am asking, Lord, that you would begin to spark inside of your children a greater expectation for what you will do in their lives in the midst of this hour. I'm asking, Holy Spirit, that you would cause us to be very sensitive to the move of the Holy Spirit in each one of our lives this morning. And I thank you, God, that you have put in us a spirit that refuses. I said refuses to leave here the same way we came in the door. No matter how close we are to you, our desire is to be closer. In your precious holy name, Jesus. Revival of relationship. I feel like God gave me a, uh, a few different um, proponents or positions or, or the ingredients of what revival is. That awakening, that activation, taking up again, renewing in the hearts of people. For some of you, you may not know the Lord this morning. Man, it's a wonderful time 
to meet the love of God in a personal way through Jesus Christ. But if you're here this morning and you're a believer, and you know in your hearts, man, that God is stirring you to step up, because I want you to know there is a voice of the Holy Spirit that is moving throughout the land, that is calling His people to have expectation for revival. I want you to know, friend, I don't care how it may look on the external. You and I are called to set and fasten our eyes on our hope, which is in Christ Jesus. So the first component is God's love for us. God's love for us. As I said earlier, I said God so loved us that while we were yet dead in our sins, as I said earlier, Christ died for us. That was the love of God that compelled to pay that price for you and I. We all know John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. In other words, he loved, he wanted, desire to reconcile the world back to himself. To reconcile mankind back to himself. That he gave his only begotten son. That whomsoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The first thing we need is we need a, a awakening, a stirring, a renewal of the understanding of the love of God for his children. That he has paid the ultimate. There is nothing he will withhold from the heart of the one who has an expectation on the Father. The Bible says, come as little children. If I could pray anything in your heart this morning, is that God would cause your heart to be stirred as a little child. To set and fasten your eyes on a Father who is there to meet your needs. Who's there to strengthen your spirit? There's some, I'm telling you what I'm seeing throughout the land is a lot of believers who love the Lord and they're faithful to church and they're faithful to their calling, but they have become the joy of the Lord is, is something that they cannot even remember. It's such a distant thing. And that love and that intimacy and that fiery passion of God has dwindled down. But I have good news. The heart of God is not changed. He has not stepped back from His desire for you and I. What we need is a renewal, an awakening, a stirring once again to know how much our Father loves us. And oh, He loves us good. Man, I got happy times up here. Man, I feel good. Not because I have any uh, uh, aspiration or thought that I can bring happiness in my life. I, I have always been the worst enemy. The Bible says your flesh and spirit war against one another. That you may not accomplish those things. Man, self-generated good feelings is not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a joy unspeakable and full of glory. I'm talking about love that just permeates and pours out. I'm talking about an intimacy that you intertwingle and intermingle your life with His. And you begin to not be able to tell what is you and what is Him any longer. It's when you just know no matter where you go, it just spills out of you. How many of you know what it's like when you spill a cup, right? See, everything now is made cheaply compared to what it used to be. So sometimes, you know, you get that cup, that sonic cup or whatever, and you try to pick it up by the lid. You didn't learn the first few times, but you keep going for the lid. Because when I was a kid, you could pick it up by the lid, you know. Now you pick it up and it just kind of crumbles, but it spills and pours out everywhere. And I want you to know, friend, that's the God's heart for you and I. 
is to have such an intimacy with him that it spills out to the atmosphere around us where we're not concerned that we have to. And I'm thankful for everyone that comes in this door, but what I'm talking about is an intimacy that changes the atmosphere, not what is limited within the barriers of the square footage we are in now, but because of who you are and that level of intimacy. It just everywhere you go, there is that place, there is that opportunity to see. And people to see that, ra that, that radiates from your very heart, that love for God. How do I know it's important that we love God? Well, man, the Word of God declares to us how important it is. Let's turn to Matthew. Hmm. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Matthew chapter 22, verse 36. A very familiar passage. Hopefully going to look at it a little different this morning. Matthew chapter 22 and verse 36. And he says, teacher, speaking to Yeshua, teacher, which is the greatest commandment of the law? And Jesus replied to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. Let's hold on to that scripture for a moment. The first thing was God's love for us. And the second thing, that these are not in any order, mind you. I feel in my spirit they're just constantly, this cycle in our lives is constantly. God is just uh, uh, taking these factors of life and he is just causing us to uh, have a greater revelation and a greater expectation uh, in our hearts. And, and so God's love for us. We need a fresh revelation. The one thing I'll ever know from ever ministering, the biggest deficit I've ever seen is people believing God loves them, really loves them. It's amazing. I struggled years with it myself. Second, I, I, and like I said, no particular order, I'm just giving to them this way, is God's purpose for your life. Man, I want you to know what greater validation. Not only do I love you, and I'm, I'm causing you to be a son or a daughter, but I want you to know I think so highly of you, I'm going to... I'm going to deputize you, so to speak, to go out into my name and represent me and affect me and co-labor with me to bring about my purposes and my will. We need a revival of God's purposes for our lives because there are people in the room under the sound of my voice, you may not yet understand the dynamic wonderment of what God can do in your life to affect the world around you. Because I want you to know I'm the least among men. I am the least among men. Yet I have seen the goodness of God in ways I could not have imagined. So in the midst of this room, you and I, I pray, will cry out, God, position me to believe for revival in the purpose of my life. In the purpose of my life. I want you to cause me to see your love for me in a greater and a stronger way. And I want to have a greater understanding of your purpose I'm asking you to renew in me or activate in me that you have a great purpose for my life you my friend can, uh, within you is the most powerful source this world has it's called resurrection life resurrection life that's a powerful thing resurrection life the third thing is our love for God now, the first two things are set. They're perfected. God's love cannot increase for you. It's His nature. It's who He is. So His love is perfected. 
I don't have to pray, God, love me more, love me more. I can pray, God, let my revelation of your love for me increase. But I know your love for me is perfected. The Bible says that you and I were recreated in Christ Jesus in Ephesians. We're recreated in Christ Jesus that we may perform the good works that he called us beforehand to accomplish. In other words, the call God has for us was even before you ever knew how to call upon his name. Before you ever walked an aisle, before you ever whispered his name, he already had a purpose and intent for your life. That's a powerful thing to know this morning. There's no argument. You've got no list of things that tell you that you're disqualified. Jesus has qualified you already to fulfill his purposes. That's a powerful thing this morning. To know that God's purposes are eternal and set. Because God's not a man to lie nor the son of man to repent. But the third thing is our love for God. And that, my friend can change it can be cultivated to draw a greater harvest it's God's desire as we just read in the word of God I read this my whole life and I, and I understand that it was under the law he asked him what is the greatest uh, commandment in the law but he's speaking to covenant people for if you were not in covenant you were not under the law you and I are not under the law but we are in covenant and I don't believe the greatest commandment has changed it is a commandment to you and I to love God with everything. With all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. That is a commandment. God has bestowed His grace fully in our lives. And He wants to bear fruit in it. And not just the work of my hands, but the fruit of relationship. He wants you and I to walk with Him in greater measures of intimacy throughout our lives. He gave all that you and I may embrace Him in His fullness. The love we have for Him is commanded of us. It is commanded. I don't, that's not an amen kind of thing sometimes, is it? I, I have to feel my way to loving God. No, it feels good to love God. Because it's just his nature, but we are commanded, in other words, to expend all that we are in the pursuit of our passion for him. And it's good that we delight in his love for us, and it's good that we fulfill our purpose. It's good that we have pastors, and it's good that we have song leaders and Sunday school teachers, and those are awesome. But that, my friend, are byproducts. Of intimacy. They're not the things that God has set his heart on. Those are things that come out of a place of intimacy. And so, man, I want you to know this morning that we need a we need a reignition, a reigniting, a revival of understanding that we're called to love God with everything. Right? So I'm preaching to myself this morning. Because a lot of times. I, I like the convenience of things in my life. But as the more I begin to cry out and position myself for revival, the more I find that my intent and my purpose and my way of thinking will have to fall to the wayside as I come into agreement with His heart for my life in this hour, in this season. We need revival. 
All we hear about are people walking away from the faith. But what I pray for is a reignition of love, a revival of relationship. How much He loves us, how wonderful it is to walk in purpose for Him, but how wonderful it is that He is cultivating inside of us a passionate love for Him. Cultivating inside of us a, such a desire for Him. Amen. I told you all amen myself. It's all good. I won't go into the other two. One is our love for each other. We need to, re- I'm going to skim over them very quickly. Our love for each other. We know we pass from death to life, not because we quote scripture, though that's awesome. Not because we go to church, though that's awesome. Not because we have a microphone in front of us. It's because of our love for the brethren. And we are in an hour in a need where the love for each other needs to be exposed to a world. And we need to allow it to be exposed to us. Are we really walking in love? I'm not talking about, thank God for potlucks, but I'm not talking about potlucks. I'm talking about what I get in a place where the Holy Spirit stirs inside of me that I am just as concerned about Patty's well-being, her spiritual growth, her spiritual life, than I am my very own. When I, it is my heartbeat to see God perform what He desires in the midst of your life. It's essential to me. It is important because it's important to God. And He puts on me a burden and a desire to help pray into your life the things God it's an intertwining of ourselves as maybe we have never known before because the hour's coming and I believe it is that we better know what it means to be one body I'm not talking about denominations I'm not talking about congregations thank God I'm talking about one body who's able to know how to stand with one another and believe God with a vision I know I'm really raising havoc on this stream. And lastly, our love for the world, the lost, right? Our love for the lost. I'm going to tell you something. Before we get a big push to see everybody we can come in and get them saved, and we need to do that, is we better, first of all, people who understand God's love for us. Number two, we better understand we've been anointing with purpose. And that we can affect people's lives. And we better be people that are being cultivated with a passionate love for God. Because if we're going to bring the lost in, we don't need to bring them into dysfunction. We don't need to bring them into brokenness. We don't need to bring them into religious pride. We need to bring them into a camp of freedom. We need to bring a place where there's living bread. Because hungry people are tired of coming to looking at platters. And we tell them about how there used to be a big loaf of bread right here. I want them to come into a place where the living expression of Jesus Christ is pouring out of the midst of his body we need to be positioned this morning the fact that you and I aren't shouting to the top of our lungs about the goodness of God might be a sign to all of us that we need to be positioned with a hearty revival just being real me too right me too sometimes you may say man we we live in a tough time But he's the one, right? He's worthy. He's worthy. It's who we fasten our eyes on. It's really the voice that we listen to. I'm praying God position Chris to be a person who is believing for revival. Our love for God. We'll turn to Revelations chapter 2. It is thankful that we are able to enjoy God's love for us. 
It is an awesome thing that we walk in, in, serve, in, in areas of service and offices of, and anointings God's given us. But God's looking for the heart. God's looking for the heart. He does say, if you love me, you keep my commandments and praise God for that. But it's not because you have determined in your natural will that you're going to meet those. It's because you do it out of a compulsion of love. In Ephesians, I mean, excuse me, in Revelations chapter 2, to the divine angel or messenger, the church of Ephesus write, these are the words of the one who holds firmly the seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven golden lampstands. I want you to listen to what he says to this church at Ephesus. I know your deeds and your toil and your patient endurance and that you cannot tolerate those who are evil. And you have tested and critically appraised those who call themselves apostles, but are not. And have found them to be liars and imposters. So far, so good. This is pretty powerful, man. If you went to a church like this, it sounds good, right? I mean, who doesn't want these kind of uh, exhortation from God? Speaking about your faithfulness and what you're doing correctly as a body. And he says, um, and I know that you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake. I mean, my friend, this is a um, resume that every church should want. Right? There's a lot of times I wouldn't have gotten this kind of letter message sent to me. But it's a beautiful thing. God is exhorting them and speaking over them their faithfulness, their endurance, their patience, that they, that they really hold true to true doctrine and they know those who come in that are not in true doctrine. And, and all these things are wonderful. And man, if you just stop right there, you would say, that's it, I'm sold. That's a perfect expression. A church couldn't ask to be more than that. He said, you bear for my name's sake and that you have not grown weary of being faithful to the truth. There's times I have grown weary. But then God says, but I have this one charge against you. All that praise. But he said, yeah, I have one charge against you? I don't see any weaknesses here. I don't, I don't see what could possibly be the issue. He says, but I have one charge against you that you have left your first you have left the depth of love that you had it for me at first. Yeah, you're doing, you're serving, you're faithful. I am so proud of you, son and daughter. You've held firm, you've endured. You've been fruitful. But I want you to understand there's one thing that is more important than everything else than what you do or who you think you are. It's your level of intimacy. It's your love for me. It goes back to that commandment that I am to love God with all that is within me. And I want you to know he's saying God Almighty is saying son, daughter, to you and I this morning, to the church at Ephesus, I see all the things you've done and I'm proud of you. And I'm so honored that you have served me so well. But... The key here is, I want you to know me in a depth of love. I want you to know me in a depth of love. You first had that love for me. So he says, remember the heights from which you're fallen. See, this is not this morning meant to be a spanking of any kind. 
What this is to say, friend, there's a spirit of renewal. There's a spirit of hope. There's a spirit of strength. As you and I come back to that place of intimacy and call out for it, I'm talking about God. This presence is here to establish in His people again freedom and liberty and joy of the Lord, which is our strength. The Bible says the love of God's been shed abroad in our hearts by the power of the Holy Ghost. God wants to cause there to be a greater love connection and revelation. I'm going to say God's ready to break off the bondage of depression in lives. He's ready to break off discouragement. He's ready to break off the, the, the addictions and the things that have held you back in the past. He's wanting you to know it's a new day and a new hour, but I want the intimacy. I require intimacy with you because it's going to put you in a place that I can fulfill all my desires for you. Because without that intimacy... I've just got religion. I've just got a presentation of something that does not have the power to fulfill its promises. And I don't know about you, but I don't want religion. <laughs> I don't want religion. I don't want religion. I don't want religion. I don't want religion. I wouldn't call to religion. I wouldn't call by a God who makes promises he doesn't keep. I want you to know this morning, there is freedom in the camp for the people of God. But it's not going to be if we set and fasten our eyes on anyone else but the one who is found worthy. This morning, I pray each one of us, even as I'm preaching, my heart is stirring. Lord, I want to know you more. I want to love you. I want to be passionate about you. I just want, God, I just want you to... To, to draw me closer, draw me nearer. Holy Spirit, just bring me in. And I want you to know that means that I'm going to have to let go of some things. Because I often find intimacy with God becomes a more narrow place of life. It means I've got to let go of some things. I may have to let some things that I have a lot of enthusiasm for. I live in Arkansas. Somebody has to. Any of you ever watched an Arkansas football game? You ever seen them call the hogs? Yeah. When I first moved there, I went to an Arkansas Razorback game. And I'm just sitting there minding my own business. And 55,000 people start doing this. Right? I'm looking around. Grown folks. I'm sure many of them are educated, right? At least some grown folks out there. Big suey. Don't care what nobody thinks. Ain't concerned one bit about what I thought about them. Some of them took their shirts off and painted their bodies. And I promise you they need to leave the shirt on. They were doing nobody a favor. But they did not care a bit. But when you walk into a place that should be free. And you start talking about freedom. Religion gets offended. When you start trying to tell people, sons and daughters of God, there is a birthright. And you may have forgotten you have a birthright. But the Spirit of God is here to remind you. And He wants to pour into you such an understanding and fresh revelation of His love, your purpose, and your love for Him that you just get giddy. So I ask people sometimes, how can people pour everything they have out at a stupid sporting event? I like football, by the way, but compared to relationship with God, 
It has no value. Pour yourself out. Give yourself fully. Where are we, children of God? Where are we? Will we let religious attitudes keep us down? Will we let pride of life keep us down? Will we let loving other things that are just vapors and dust that will leave you unfulfilled keep you and I from embracing a deeper intimacy with Him? And my prayer is this morning, no, 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 no. We will not. We will not. We will not. It has nothing to do this morning if you love the Lord. I hope everyone in here loves the Lord. I love the Lord. But I want you to understand the goal is not how I see myself in position to God. The goal is how God sees me in position to Him. There's a way that seems right unto a man, and the end of that way is death. I cannot rely and trust on my attitude or opinion about my relationship. I have to trust the Holy Spirit's ability to take this word of God, which is sharper than any two-edged sword, even to the devour, a dividing of the marrow from the bone. He can take those things which are soul and spirit and separate them that we can really see in our lives. Such a powerful thing to the book, to the church of Ephesus. In the book of Revelation. But he says, you've lost your first love. You've lost your first love. I want you to know this morning. That right now in the midst of where we're at. There's a strong presence of God here. And it ain't because I'm here. It's because he's here. And it's not necessarily because of my expectation, though I need to have expectation, I want you to know who we deal with. Our Father loves us so much, He pursues us. He overruns us. He overshadows us. He overtakes us. His love for us. He even gives us, from the midst of nothing, as a desire. This morning, I pray everyone here that we're willing to say, Holy Spirit, Reveal to me, have I lost my passion for my Jesus? Huh? You remember when you first dated the person, you, you know, before you got married? And the way, unnatural way you looked at them? Right? They was the prettiest thing you ever saw. Come on, let's be honest. Most be the way you could not wait. You talked to other people, got tired of hearing you talk about them. Here he goes again, talking about her. Here she goes again talking. He ain't really that much, but she thinks he's everything, right? You know, you get the warm fuzzies. Your hands begin to sweat a little bit, and, and you can't wait. You're looking at your clock. I get off in 30 minutes, 45. It took me 15 minutes to get showered. I'll be over at 6 o'clock, and I'll be with my beloved. I'll be with my beloved. How much more, sons and daughters of God, should we not have an expectation that we should not be giddy with excitement about the one who we are in love with? Instead of looking at our clock wondering when this guy shut up and I can get a pot roast, is that we are looking to see the move of God occur in the midst of the camp in our lives, an expectation and a demand of the one we love, right? How many of you know if you went to pick a young lady up and you didn't show up, you better call, right? How many times would the Spirit of God come in the midst of us and cause there to be a welling up of expectation and love and we may leave without receptive hearts? This is not to move, church. This is to all believers. This is to me. 
Do we want to be people before we even say we want revival? Do we want to be people that God positions to have a heart for revival? I want to be a person who's positioned to have a heart for revival. My goodness. My goodness. My goodness. There's such a goodness of the Lord here. There's such a goodness of the Lord here. like to ride down the road and his goodness is so much you have to pull over nothing like it there's no one like him from who we deal with that we may take hold of that which has taken hold of us Yeshua Messiah that we may with the passion that has gripped our hearts allow that same grace to create passion for him in our hearts One thing I said earlier as I'm closing is a tie-in I feel so often is that there are many believers who are just weary, that love God, that are faithful. And God is well pleased, but He wants to reignite that, that kind of giddy love. And when I say that, man, I don't want you to get fixated on the emotional sounding of it. I'm not talking about that. I mean, there's nothing like those boiling, that boiling of His presence in your life, that expectation that you long, right? That you just long to be in His presence. That we long to be people who have a greater revelation of His love for us, of our purpose for Him. But Holy Spirit, that you would build in us a passionate desire for Jesus. Just a passionate desire for Jesus each other the greatest commandment and the second is like in the first love thy neighbor as yourself Man. because you know what I know if I want God's best for me what's going to happen in my life as I pursue that I want God's best for you delivered people want to see people delivered healed people want to see people healed people who have been restored to joy want to see joy move in the midst of the camp but we need some people who have a passion for that that God may do that in the midst of the camp, that people will be stirred to have a hunger. That's why I say, man, the Bible says God's eyes go to and fro across the land looking for whom He may show Himself mighty on their behalf. And my say to you this morning, move churches, you're the candidate. Show yourself mighty through us, God. Let us be people of purpose and people who understand your love people who are in a place of constantly cultivating our love for Jesus, that it's just so contagious when people come in. And then we will love people because we have a pursuer's heart for love. Because every time I grow closer to Him, my desire and passion for my fellow believers just intensifies. It's just what happens. Right? I begin for praying for people I don't like. I love them in Jesus. Y'all know what that means, don't you? Love them in Jesus. I get to pray. God begins to, as I get closer to that, that perfect love, that pureness of love, it just motivates me to change my heart. And I just begin to pray God's best for them. I just say,
think you and I will stand in a world that is ever increasingly rejecting the gospel of Jesus Christ? How do you think we will love them enough if it's not because of our deep love for him and our revelation of his love for us? Because I tell you, I don't, friend, there's coming a day, and I believe it is upon us, where culture is not going to pat Christianity on the back anymore. It's not going to tell you sweet things in your ear and everything's okay. There's dividing lines that are occurring. And I still want to be able to go out into a lost world, and I want to love them with a real love that is infused by the heart of God for them. midst of all this I understand this morning the way I can have that kind of love is because he first loved me such a wonderful thing to understand that anything I'm talking about this morning is not a pressing of the flesh it is just saying here I am Jesus Holy Spirit do it in my life stir me take your word and fashion me to be a vessel that longs for revival in my life that longs to be a person of deep intimacy. Now I'm going to close this morning. And it's a moment and an opportunity. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, you've talked about Him, you've heard people talk about Him, you've been around Him, but you know there is not that spark of divine life in you. This morning when I speak about Him, there's not a stirring in the midst of who you are. You know you're not born of the Spirit. Well, this morning, man, I want you to know that love's hand is extended to you. How much He loves us. But if you're here this morning and you would say, I know in my heart, Chris, that my love for Jesus is not what it has been before. I know that I am not loving Him the way He's commanded. I said the way He's commanded me to love Him. And I want you to know I understand He commands me to love Him that way. And He's had to do a lot of work in me to get the understanding that I am not just offering you, I am commanding you to know me in the way that I have given you opportunity to know me. I do not want to stand before a holy God and look in the eyes of a Savior who hung on a cross for me and said, God, I kind of was an acquaintance. I, I want Him to say, there He is. There was one that walked in a depth with me. He took advantage of my love and, and, he, and he allowed me to pour all I desired in Him to be an expression. For the Bible tells us that the man, manifolded love of God is expressed in His body to the cosmos. In other words, God shows His goodness to all the heavenly realm because of His love for us. So this morning, if you would say, man, I know... Chris, I just don't love him the way he's calling me to love him. But I want to. And I want to say, Holy Spirit, I want you to spark in me a desire this morning. I want you to, I hear what you're saying. I hear you're troubling my heart. And I'm going to respond. Because we always respond one way or another. I've left many a service with the Spirit of God dealing with me. And I said no and I walked out. God, forgive me. This morning, if that's something the Spirit of God is dealing with you for that kind of passionate love. And maybe you're here and you say, man, I love him. Well, then I want you to know this morning, God, and you say, I'm pursuing him with all my heart. And this morning, praise God, but I ask that you and I would be people who begin to position and pray for revival for all those who don't. 
for we will not be we cannot be satisfied for what we have inside of these doors and these rooms when we know there is many he's calling there are many he's calling there are many prodigals he's calling home there are many who yet to know him as a father and he's longing for them but we have to be people who are positioned in agreement with him to believe you have to believe but when God takes us to that place man he puts us there so at the meeting place, it didn't take me long to figure something out. That many church folk, and when I say church folk, it's never a compliment. Church folk came, and they left. And that breaks my heart. But pretty soon, I begin to see something, though. I began to see one young person I didn't recognize and another young person I didn't recognize and another young person I didn't recognize and another young, and, and the Holy Spirit began to deal with me. Will you believe for a revival generation? Will you believe for a revival generation? Yes, I'm still speaking to my body, but that, there's many who have decided I'm going to stay put where I am. But there's some young folks out there, brother and sister, I want you to hear me, that are hungry for something legit and real. And church has not satisfied them. I'm not talking about good, healthy doctrine or churches. I'm talking about churches who profess Him with their lips, but deny their hearts to Him. I want you to know they're out there. And I see them one after another after another. And the Spirit of God is causing them to become a little army. I see a little army forming of young people who are passionate about Jesus, who are being delivered from the things that we complain about every day about the generation that we're looking at and we complain about them but are we people who have got the heart of God to believe for a revival generation and young people to be a set aflame with Jesus are we God had to challenge my heart. Are you? Are you willing to let me use you up? Are you willing to let me pour your very life out for them? And I have to say yes, Lord. I have to say yes. It's not because I'm holy. It's because he's holy. It's not because I'm the good guy. It's because he's the good guy. That's his heart. And we see him. We see him. They get saved, man. They get, they get delivered. From demons, we see them. They deliver from depression. I've got them where they couldn't, you see them, they couldn't lift their heads up. And now they run and they shout and they jump. And they're so fiery, you can't contain them. And when worship service starts, you don't have to find out where the teenagers are. Because every one of them is standing up in the very front row. And they're excited. And, and then you begin to see God use them. And then they're interceding and they, they just cry out to God and groan in the spirit. And they're longing to see more and more of His presence in their generation. That, my friend, is when God begins to position our hearts for revival. Hallelujah. So if you're here this morning and say, Lord, I want you to count me in the club. I want you to make me someone, God, who says, yes, position me, God, to believe a revival and move my move church. Why don't you just overwhelm your pastor? with such expectation for the move of God that it just overwhelms him. Because sometimes when you preach to folk, sometimes you feel that draw and that connection. Sometimes you feel like you're trying to pull them. Like I'm trying to pull somebody somewhere. But how about <laughs> when Brother Bobby 
has to say, I got to kick in the second gear just to keep up with the expectation of these people that you have put me under, God. Amen. That's just a little extra for him because I love him. So this morning, with every eye open and every head upright, if you don't know him as your Lord and Savior, but you know he's dealing with you, then we get an opportunity to respond. I remember growing up, and it's not against anybody if you do this, man, I love that, you know, praise God, God uses all different ways. The reason I say no heads bowed and no eyes closed is because Yeshua died naked on a hillside in shame for me. Thank you for that subtle hint. You got to have somebody take care of you, don't you? On a hill of shame that was reserved for thieves. So I would never want to mislead anyone. When you say yes to the Lord, it's not done in secret. Because if it's real to you, it's real to you. And it won't matter what no one else thinks. We can walk a few feet on some carpet in an air-conditioned building to show a love for a Savior who gave all for us. So if you're here this morning and you say, I know that I need to return to that first love. I know that I just long for that kind of intimacy. God, put me on a path. Put me on that path, God. Put, that, put me on that path. If you're here this morning and that's you, I'm going to ask you to make your way to the altar. Faith without works is dead. Good intentions without an execution of obedience will produce nothing. God, I want you to give me that passion for your love. I want intimacy. Lord, I just want to be closer to you. I just want to draw 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 closer to you. If you're here this morning and you'd say, I'm weary in my spirit. I am dry in my spirit. I want you to know, friend, the Spirit of the Lord is here. The Spirit of the Lord is here. And if you'll just reach a heart of expectation and faith and say, Lord, I'm tired of trying to carry this load, for I know your burden is easy and your yoke is light, right? I know, I mean, excuse me, your yoke is easy and your burden is light. But you've been trying to carry that thing, right? You love Him with all your heart. You're faithful. But you know there's not the joy of your heart. You don't feel the strength of the joy of the Lord that you know is your birthright. And you're here this morning. I challenge you by faith to say, Lord, move in the midst of my heart. Holy Spirit, stir in me once again a belief that you love me so much you would not leave me in a place like this. You gave everything for me that I can have everything you are and I resist trying to be what I need to be without you anymore. Jesus, take it. Take it. Take the reins of my heart. Take this weight. 
take this thing. If you're hearing there's addictions in your life, I want you to know Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever, is in the midst. He doesn't just walk the dusty streets of Jerusalem and Nazareth. He walks in the midst of this room this morning. He's still the King of kings and Lord of lords. He's still here to do that which He has always promised to do because he is, it is completed and finished. It's on the right hand of the Father, right? But He's a high priest. The Bible says a high priest who knows what it's like. He knows what it's like to walk as we do. Yet he knew no sin. And because he is that high priest and that perfect sacrifice this morning, you and I can boldly come into the throne room of grace. We can boldly come in here this morning. You can say, Jesus, you, gave every, you shed your blood for me, and I want my birthright. I want my birthright. I want my birthright. I want my birthright. last but surely not least if you're here this morning and you would say I hear the call Lord I hear the call when we have prayer meetings they're not going to have to uh, question if I'm going to be there they're not going to have to wonder if somebody's going to show up for church prayer because I'm going to be positioned to believe for revival I'm going to be positioned to believe God until I see it performed I believe him and I am persuaded that he's able right I'm going to show up not because I'm manipulated not because I'm coerced but because the spirit of God has birthed in me a heart for revival a heart for revival. A heart for revival. Get out of my way. It's prayer time. I'm going to get on the carpet and cry out until I see the Spirit of God move in the midst of my brothers and sisters. Oh, we see them come in then. And they'll say, oh boy, they've, they've walked in the building. It's too late now. They're going to be overtook by the goodness of God. They walk right into a mess of a whole lot of love. Just like spilling gravy. It's going to run over the hearts of those who enter in to a place where people are positioned for revival. We're all candidates because we're all children of the Lord this morning. So if you're here and you say, I want to be positioned for revival, you've not made your way up yet, then I challenge you to make your way. You go ahead and let people know. You go ahead and make a stand before the Lord and say, Lord, maybe I've made promises to you in the past and I let life override those promises. But this morning I'm willing to step out and say, God, birth in me a desire for revival. Birth in me a desire. Remind me of your goodness, your love for me. Remind me of my purpose this morning. Remind me this morning that you want to build intimacy in my heart. Give me a burden in love for my brothers and sisters. And then you'll give me a burden for the lost this morning. So, to let you know that no one sits on the bench. If you're left in the audience this morning, then you have one job. One job. And that's to call on the name of the Lord. It's to worship and celebrate Him and believe for the ones who stand here. That's a pretty good deal. So this morning I ask as a church that we just set our hearts in worship this morning and expectation in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, this morning. You're worthy to be praised. You are worthy to be praised. 
You are worthy to be praised. You are worthy to be praised. You are worthy to be praised. You are worthy to be praised. You are worthy to be praised. You are worthy to be praised. You are worthy to be praised. You are worthy to be praised this morning. You are worthy. 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 You're a good, good father. You're a good, good father. You are worthy. You are worthy. I cannot express how good you are I can't put words together how wonderful you have been to me there is none like you Jesus how beautiful you are to me just the thought of your name causes my heart to flutter there's none like you Jesus there's no other one like you I set my heart on you I set my affections on you you are my king you are my lord you are my savior you are my deliverer you you are my healer you are the igniter of my spirit I give you praise this morning because you're worthy to be 